Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changes. Our guest today is Lindsay Tepleski, Army veteran and spouse career coach and learning and development specialist. Together, we are going to talk about the challenges many face during a military career transition and how to find inspiration to transition to a new life and career. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for having me. So um, let's start uh, um, with your background. How did you join the military in the first place? So when I was in high school, I was considering several options for college. And one of those was Boston College, which is a pretty expensive school. And my dad said, uh, oh, there's this thing called ROTC scholarships that will help pay for college. So my initial kind of thought or introduction to the military was simply as a way to pay for school. And then once I got in there and started actually doing the army stuff, I really enjoyed it and realized, oh, this is, this is a great deal. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this. So was that something uh, more of a surprise uh, in your life or was part of what was your dream job when you were a child? No, it was definitely a surprise. I was not planning as a child to join the military. So it was a total, total surprise, but a, a good one. And what was your dream job when you were a child? <laughs> uh, I had many um, from NASA ground control to architect to um, like diplomat or ambassador. Uh, I was all over the place. So um <laughs> This was this was definitely a, a bit of a pivot from probably what I imagined as a kid. So um, you mentioned that at some point during your education, you entered into this program. But what is your educational background? Yes. So I attended um, 
undergraduate, you know, college for sociology. And then when I realized during those four years that I would want to become a social worker in the military, that requires a master's degree. So I delayed my entry into the military to get that master's in social work. And then once I had that degree, I was able to uh, be a social worker in the army. Um, so generally when people change their career, there is a specific moment when something is weird. Did you have an enlightening moment during your career that changed the direction of your life? Uh, yeah, I've, I've probably had several of those <laughs> um, because I've had a few different careers now, but I do distinctly remember in college doing a special program with the military over the summer in which I got to go as a cadet to shadow um, like a real military unit in Germany. And while I was there for a few weeks shadowing the young officers, um, I noticed that the majority of what they dealt with just seemed to be problems that soldiers were facing from marital problems to mental health problems to financial problems. And I was like, huh, these soldiers, uh, they need a social worker. And then I found out social work is a thing in the military that a lot of people don't realize. Um, there's a whole mental health profession in the military. So that was the that was even an option uh, for me and that it was something I might like to do compared to, um, you know, other things in the military. So what type of life did you experience during your career in the military? Uh, it was a great life. So I'm sure not everybody would probably say the same thing, but, you know, for a young social worker who's facing um, not you know, really high paying career prospects after getting their degree. Um, and you have to, after you get your master's degree, you need a certain number of hours of supervision and experience in order to become licensed. And the military provided that for me for free. So they're already paying me well, full benefits, helping me get you know, supervision, helping me get experience, putting me into roles I would never normally be qualified for, uh, and all while living in Europe and traveling around with my friends every weekend. <laughs> so uh, I would say it was a great life for somebody in their young, you know, to mid to late 20s. Um, I had a fantastic time and, and even deploying and doing the kind of harder stuff that you do in the military is just great learning opportunities and you meet amazing people and you just, you know, get to test yourself in ways you normally probably would never get to um, if you weren't. So I, I'm a huge fan of the opportunities that the, the military gives to people, especially if you want to take advantage of them, if it's education, travel, great health care, you know, affordable health care, I should say. Um, whatever it is you need, um, if you can get that from the military while also, you know, giving back to others, I think it's a it's a win-win. So did you experience any challenges? Oh, of course. <laughs> There's challenges in everything. Uh, like I alluded to before, when you 
enter the military as a young officer or as a social worker, you really don't have any life experience. You don't have any credibility. So you have to build that up. And especially as a woman in the military, we're still a very small percentage, less than 20% of the military. So you're always, um, you're always cognizant of the fact that you may have to work a little bit harder to prove yourself or feel like you have to, to work a little harder to prove yourself uh, among this different culture of, um, you know, depending on who you're working with in the military, they could be combat arms people, you know, war fighters, they could be special forces, they could be cooks and drivers and from all different backgrounds um, across the United States. So, you know, you're always kind of a, having to adapt to whoever you're working with and like whatever those circumstances are. But um, I think they were all challenges that were great growth opportunities ultimately. So you had a great experience, uh, you felt challenged and you had the opportunity to grow during your uh, life in the military. Uh, but how and when did you start thinking about leaving this career behind? Yes, that was very clear. Um, although it was clear, but perhaps not what I had hoped for, because I would have loved to probably stay longer. Um, but I met my now spouse in the army. We were both stationed in Germany um, after we had been married a few years and deploying. This was all at the height of Iraq and Afghanistan deployments. So we were deploying pretty frequently and knew that we wanted to have children. And with both of us deploying, that wasn't really, um, you know, a very realistic probably path. So my career being in mental health and social work is much more transferable to the civilian market than his as a combat arms person. So um, the decision was fairly straightforward that he would stay in, I would uh, leave the military, but fortunately was able to continue uh, working with the military population after uh, and still do. So what challenges did you have to overcome to leave uh, the military and transition to civilian life? Oh, there's there's so many. Uh, probably the biggest challenge, this is the irony, is people think that it's while you're in the military and you're deploying and you're in combat, like that must be the most challenging thing. No, that's easy compared to actually leaving the military. Uh, the hardest things I faced were just that loss of identity um, because you're no longer wearing who you are on your uniform. So uh, you don't have that respect that comes with your rank or any of your badges or combat patches or accomplishments. Um, I actually outranked my husband at the time. And I went from, as a woman, as an you know, officer, I went from Captain Tepleski to Mrs. Tepleski. And then oh. you have this feeling of, oh, I'm just a spouse, right? So you're losing that identity and you're defined now by your husband's career and not by your own, because that's very much how this military culture that is still quite um, traditional or a bit antiquated in a lot of ways, um, you know, you just instantly go from being somebody who has a lot of responsibility and a lot of um, accomplishments to feeling like you don't really have that professional identity. 
you're also very used to in the military constant upward linear progression. So you're always getting promoted or you're out. So you're always going up and you're always um, responsible for more people, for more things, for more money, for more decisions, right? So it's increasing responsibility, increasing pay, very predictable. You know exactly when you're promoting, you know what you need to do to promote, you know how to get there. The path is laid out for you. But when you leave the military, now you can do literally anything you want, and the path is not clear. It's completely unclear, and there's too many options. So you get paralyzed by, what do I even do next? I don't even know where to start. I don't even know who I am or how to define myself anymore um, and how I fit into this, you know, kind of renegotiating roles, especially if you are still married to the military um, you're kind of negotiating a new, you know, a new persona, a new role for yourself um, professionally and, you know, as a supporter of your military spouse. So what type of support have you received, if any, and how did you um, finally envision what was going to be your new career? Yeah, so those questions are actually very related um, because in, you know, initially when I left the military, I just continued doing the same thing I did, just not in a uniform. So I continued to be a military social worker, just as a civilian in the GS system. So I did that for several years at behavioral health department, at the VA. So I was still very much kind of doing the same thing. Um, and so it wasn't a huge change other than what I wore every day to work. So uh, when we were facing a move from Fort Leavenworth, Kansas to Colorado, um, I knew I wanted to leave the VA. I kind of felt like I wanted to do something different and um, had been involved with a an organization that's now a part of Hiring Our Heroes. At the time, it was called In Gear Career, and it was a professional organization for career-minded military spouses because I really felt like I didn't have a lot of other spouse friends who also were trying to pursue professional careers. So I had been involved as a volunteer at that point for a few years. And as we were moving to Colorado and I was looking for work, um, my contacts through that volunteer work said, oh, we actually have a paid position. Um, and now they were part of hiring our heroes. And they said, we have a paid position in, in Colorado Springs. You should interview you know, and it had nothing to do with social work. It was helping service members with their skill bridge um, journeys. It was totally new. It was a huge pay cut. It was a nonprofit. It's not part of the GS system, did not require my degree. Uh, so this was a huge, this was a really pivotal kind of change where I walked away from that clinical social work role and tried something new. But it was all the result of volunteer work through an organization that had been helpful to me. And that opened my eyes to new opportunities, new people, you know, new possibilities. Um, and there are many organizations, more than we could ever count or list, um, that are available for, you know, transitioning service members. And they will they will never have that much support in their life other than that time that they're transitioning. So that's why if you don't take advantage of it during that 
uh, time period and all these great organizations and services, um, you'll probably never quite have that level of support again. It seems that throughout your career, you always help others and uh, you had uh, meaningful, meaningful um, um, roles that had mm -hmm. a positive impact in the world. Uh, sometimes we forget uh, that our jobs help us to shape uh, the reality around us or change other people's lives. Um, how do you feel your career change is making nowadays the world a better place? Uh, so I think that I always knew, even though those initial jobs and careers I thought about as a kid um, weren't social work, I, I've always been a helper and that's always serving others has always been what I've uh, enjoyed the most. So whether it's social work or helping people learn, as I'm now in learning and development and helping them to advance their own careers through their own lifelong learning, I've just kind of lived by this mantra that I discovered or a kind of a quote um, from Marcus Aurelius, because I'm a huge fan of Stoic philosophy. And he basically, he has a million great quotes, right? But one of them is kind of along the lines of, you know, good character and acts for the common good are the key to like a happy life, basically. So as long as I'm doing something that is for the benefit of other people, and even if it's something really small, it doesn't have to be as big as clinical social work and doing therapy with people for months on end to, you know, uh, heal their past traumas, even if it's not something on that scale, just uh, educating somebody about a great resource, a great book, a website, uh, something that influenced my path uh, as a transitioning service member that I think would be helpful. Um, just doing veterati, I do veterati calls, which are like free mentorship calls for military, the military community, um, just donating an hour of my time there. Like, I just feel like that to me is a productive day. Uh, if I can just say that I've, you know, done one helpful thing for somebody else. So I really think you can do that in any career. It doesn't matter if it's a traditional helping career. Um, you can always find ways to, you know, give back and to, to make somebody else's life better. Many people um, in the military at some point they have to change their careers for one reason mm -hmm. or the other. Um, generally quite early in life compared maybe to other careers. Um, how do you feel Veneta, veterans are making the world a better place um, by bringing all the skills they've acquired um, with their experience? And sometimes it's really something completely different from civilian life. Yes. <laughs> That's a great question because... Um, there's kind of a traditional or there's a narrative about, oh, veterans are great because leadership or like resilience, you know, but these are very vague and broad kind of concepts. Lots of people have resilience. Lots of people have leadership skills. Uh, so it's not just those kind of soft skills that the military brings to the table. I think it's a lot more about um the experiences that you get in the military are typically things you would never 
seek out on your own, right? Whether it's like jumping out of airplanes or going to this particular school to learn um, how to do, like I, I learned cognitive processing therapy. Maybe that wasn't something I would have picked on my own, but the military said, you have to do this as a social worker. They expose you to all these leadership opportunities and opportunities to take care of other people, look out for your battle buddy um, from a very young age. Like they give you a lot of responsibility um, probably before <laughs> a lot of us are really ready. Uh, but having all those experiences just, I think, allows you to see that really anything is possible. Like nothing feels insurmountable when you've been in combat. So like anything in the civilian world, any challenge you face just seems manageable uh, compared to the most difficult days that you had in the military. So I think it just really um, gives people this different perspective and appreciation for what's really important, what are the priorities, you know, how do you take care of other people, and they can bring that perspective to whatever, you know, non-military career that they choose after that. Um, so yeah, I like the, I like kind of the um, mindset, I think, that comes from, you know, living some pretty um, difficult kind of experiences that you get in the military and just being forced to, you know, work together with people and figure out a way to be successful or just to to survive. Uh, those are pretty transferable, you know, skills no matter what you do. Even the military for the civilian life can be rather challenging, especially because as you mentioned, there is this um, different way of living relationship where there is great yeah. support for each other. Um, why is it so important to have a mentoring and support network during the process of transition from the military to um, civilian life? Yeah, well, put, put simply, uh, you can hopefully avoid some of the mistakes of the thousands of people that have gone before you, because it, we're not reinventing the wheel here, right? Like a quarter of a million soldiers and airmen and Marines and Guardians and Coasties transition every year from the military. So this isn't something new. It's not something you have to do by yourself. Uh, the book has been written. You just have to be willing to take that support and advice. And uh, what I think people forget is that the military is a total institution. Like they provide everything for you from food, housing, clothes, job, you know, healthcare, dental care, spiritual care, they provide everything for you so you can focus on this one thing, which is fighting and winning Americans war, America's wars. When you leave a total institution, now you have to figure out how to do all of those things for yourself, right? Nobody's providing you a chaplain and a therapist and a, a gym, a free gym to take care of your physical health. Like all of these things become your responsibility. Uh, and, you know, nobody's forcing you to get up and do PT in the morning. So why, you know, the statistics are very clear how many veterans gain weight in their first few years outside the military, because now it's all on you to juggle all these different things that were previously provided for by the military. So I think that leaving a total institution, leaving a tribe is really tough. And if you don't have that support network, 
and have somebody you can ask questions to and find out what they recommend, what their experience was, and honestly, just somebody to validate that this is all very normal. Uh, anytime you leave an institution or you leave a tribe, um, you have to re, you know, redefine your community and redefine who you are. That's all normal and completely expected, but it can feel very lonely and isolating if you don't have mentors and you don't have people who are um, kind of walking with you through that through that experience. It's great to hear this uh, from you, and I hope that our listeners can uh, find, uh, can identify, especially the one from the military, with what uh, you're saying, because you have the background, so uh, you have the same experience, and sometimes mm-hmm. probably um, what allows us to uh, progress in life and to do the right step in the right direction is to feel that we are not alone. Yes, um, so definitely what you're sharing is a story that can inspire other people and they can feel, oh, I'm not the only one feeling this way and there is there a support system uh, yes, that yes. I can look for. Um, with your experience, what type of advice would you give to anyone looking to change career from the military to the civilian world? Well, in addition to the things you've already touched on, like having a mentor and not trying to do it by yourself, that's that's a huge one. Um, I really think we often skip a crucial step, which is figuring out who you are and what you want, what your priorities are, what your strengths are, what are the things that you don't love doing, uh, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live after the military, even things as simple as do I want to work in an office, do I want to work remotely, do I want a big company, a small company, a nonprofit, you know, a for-profit do I want to work on a certain mission? Do I want a certain role? We don't often like spend the time to do the self-discovery. And people think the first step is simply, well, I just need to translate my resume. Like that's useless if you don't actually know what you want to do with your life. So don't jump straight to writing a resume. It's not going to do you any good if you if you have no direction, right? So I always say, do not pass go. Stop here. <laughs> Figure out who you are, what you're looking for, and know that it will change. It's not just like you do this one time, and then now I know for the next 50 years, this is what I want. No, like it's always going to be changing and evolving as you learn new things and you try new things and you might think you want to be a project manager because that's what every transitioning service member thinks they want to be. And then they actually try it out. They're like, oh, this is not what I expected. And that's okay. You're not committed to this thing for X number of years like you are the military where you sign a contract and you can go to jail if you don't show up for work. Like this, this is not how it is in the civilian world. You can rediscover yourself as many times as you want. You can go through different phases depending on if you have children, if you don't have children, where you live, you know, what your other competing demands are. If you have an aging relative, if you have a spouse whose job is very busy, or maybe they want to stay home and you want to work, whatever, like all of that's going to change. And you have to be open to like reevaluating who you are and what you want before you actually start applying for jobs. 
So what I hear is also that um, coming out of this total support system um, allows people to discover a new freedom, but at the same time, that freedom comes with responsibilities. Yes. That is the challenge. Exactly. Yeah. It's very liberating that you can do anything. You don't have to do what you did in the military. You don't have to do that on the outside. But that's what everybody initially thinks is, oh, I've been a logistics professional in the military. So now I'm going to do logistics. What if you hate logistics? You don't have to do it. You can take those skills and apply them to something else. You can go back to school. You can get a certificate. You can find a way to transition to something you actually really enjoy, but we don't, you know, we just kind of tend to accept the, the default, or we say we press the easy button and we just kind of do what we've been doing on autopilot instead of actually evaluating what we want to do with our life. How fellow veterans can apply their transferable skills, uh, knowledge, and leadership abilities gained in the military to transition to a new career? Yes. So this is going to sound like a, a snarky answer, but it's not. Uh, the only way to do that is to A, figure out what you want to do, and B, go off of the job description. <laughs> That's how you figure it out. It's not you writing some translated document that, you know, the hiring professional is going to figure out what you want from that, or if that fits what their needs are. Everything in hiring is about what the company is looking for. <laughs> and can you do the job that they are looking for? So I do, I reverse engineer everything. I don't start with my resume. That's like the last thing you do. First, you figure out what it is you want to do. You figure out, oh, okay, learning and development. Maybe I want to do that in the gaming industry, like my job now. Uh, so I would look at Electronic Arts. I would look at their careers page. I would read their job descriptions for learning and development and then figure out which of those skills I have or similar skills that I have. And I'm going to use their language. I always use the metaphor that it's it's not translating. It's learning to speak a new language because we know and I'm sure you know, if you try to do a direct word-for-word -word translation from one language to another, it doesn't make sense. Like, that's not how you do translation. You have to actually know the language and what their, uh, you know, words and phrases are and how they structure their language. Like, that's how you are going to then write your resume to fit the, the new language, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't ever recommend... There's a lot of tools out there like, oh, translate your, you know, military resume, like MOS Crosswalk. Oh, you are a military police officer. Here's everything you can do. I don't I don't start with that because I think it's it's more important to start with yourself and what you actually want and what you're interested in and then go from there. So we are approaching the end of this episode. Is there anything else that you would like to add that I've not been asking to you? Oh, I mean, we just don't have enough time. I can <laughs> talk about this all day long. Uh, but no, I think the take-home point that I would encourage any listener, and it doesn't matter if you're a transitioning military member or not. I mean, anybody who's thinking about pivoting or is not sure what they want, just remembering that 
it's okay to switch careers and to change. And it seems scary, but it is not, um, it is not, you know, insurmountable. Like you can, if I really wanted to, I, I'm 42, I could go back to medical school and still have 20 years to be a physician, right? If I really was that interested in becoming a physician, like there is time to do what you want to do. We just get into our heads, this sunk cost fallacy that I suffered from as a social worker. Well, this has been my career for 12 years. It's my identity. It's who I am. I paid for graduate school. I got my license. This is me now forever. And I kind of forgot that I didn't have to do social work forever. Like I can do something totally different and I might not do learning and development forever. I may, you know, change my mind and that's perfectly fine. This isn't your grandpa's career of, you know, 50 years at one company and they give you a Rolex at the end. Like that's not the modern workforce. Um, So just kind of being okay with the fact that you don't know what's next. You don't have to have it perfectly laid out. You can just adjust and adapt as you get to these different points in your life. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for joining us today uh, to share your story and the challenges of the transition from military to civilian life. Thank you, Elisa. It's been great. <laughs> and great to have it, having you. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes. Thank you.